All right, everybody. Good morning. It's 5 30 ish. So we're going to go ahead and get started. 5 30 ish? It's over my heads up, right? Um, what's up? Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started this morning. Hey, welcome. Happy Easter to Bucure Baptist Church. Um, oh, and my family walks in. What's up, family? Just in time, right on the buzzer. Um, I was <laughs> I was joking with some folks. All of our regular people are having trouble finding parking. They're all texting me. It's like there's nowhere. Um, uh, I was joking with somebody. We're gonna do a, a who came the furthest uh, uh, contest. Okay, so California, right? L.A. Okay, what's closer, California or Minnesota? Minnesota's closer. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, y'all win. Congratulations. Um, okay. A few announcements before we get started. Uh, one announcement. So we are part of the Southern Baptist Great Commission Baptist uh, denomination. Uh, and we are the benefits of some of the work of the North American Mission Board. And so we have one of our uh, staff members here who helps out with uh, Shower Friday is a, a NAM student missionary. And so it's worth mentioning uh, that today we are taking up an offering called the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering. So if you want to contribute to that, um, we didn't set out any envelopes, but... Well, you can you can contribute. Just let us know that that's what it's for, and we'll we'll make sure uh, we'll make sure to, to give it all. Uh, those funds go 100% to uh, church planning and uh, sin relief efforts in the United States and and uh, Canada and, and uh, North America. So uh, feel free to get to that. Also, this week <coughs> um, we are not having our normal Tuesday night small group because Annie and I are getting out of town. Look at that. Yay! Yay. So we're excited about that. And AJ, we're going to a cabin in the woods. Uh, so if you try to call me, good luck. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to be out of town, but feel free uh, to come on Wednesday, small group here at the church. Uh, other announcements? Bill, anything? Uh, Shop Friday. Sure. Um, everything's normal except he won't be here. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yes, Andrew. Today is AJ's adoption day. Five years ago, yeah, four years ago, four years ago today, we got to adopt this wonderful kid. Five years, five years. Um, so praise God for that. And speaking of praising God, please join me in prayer. Father God, we do pray, just in praise, this morning, Lord, for everything that you've done. God, for everything that you've suffered in our place, Lord, for the death that you died in our place. God, for your resurrection, the hope that we find in that, Lord, that we too can live again. God, that we can live in this life and in the next. Lord, that you can fill our lives with hope. Lord, even in the midst of suffering, God, that we could stay focused on you in the midst of grief. Lord, because you are always working things together for good. God, and we praise you for that. 
Lord, we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Morning, everyone. Our readings, um, prayers are going to be a little more responsive um, this morning. So we're going to start with the traditional Paschal greeting. It's Greek. <laughs> Christos Anesti. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. 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 Just from Psalm 119. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. There are so glad songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not give me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may, <clears throat> that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. His love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. His love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. His love endures forever. Good morning, church. Good morning. I've been reading from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the tomb. But she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on, the, on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrapping, but rolled up and replaced by itself. Then the other disciples who reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. But as yet, they did not. 
not understand the scripture, but he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned and went home. And Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And she wept. She bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying. <clears throat> One at the head and the other at the foot. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? According to him to be the uh, gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, in Hebrew, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I am not yet ascended to the Father. But go to the brethren and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. She told them that he had said they said these things to her. Amen. 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 Please pray with us. God of empty tombs and bright hope for tomorrow, your resurrection light breaks forth in our darkest nights and our loneliest mornings. Forgive our slowness to recognize the wild new thing you are doing to believe your unbelievable promises, to hear your voice calling our name. Lift our eyes from our grief, that we may behold the face of our Lord, filled with unending life and unstoppable love. Brothers and sisters, believe and have hope. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Through him, you are forgiven, you are welcome, you are loved. Let us rejoice together and give praise to the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Amen. Mighty God, in whom we know the power of redemption, you stand among us in the shadows of our time. As we move through every sorrow and trial of this life, uphold us with the knowledge of the final morning, when, in the glorious presence of your risen Son, we will share in his resurrection, redeemed and restored to the fullness of life, and forever free to be your people. Amen.
sufficient that we get to be a part of your joy, that uh, you aren't reliant on us, but that you, you provide. We ask all these things in your name. Thank you. 
John chapter 20. John's gospel is beautiful. If you've never read the Bible or it's been years, 
Uh, this is always where I tell people to start, the book of John or the book of Mark. Uh, Mark is the earliest record we have of the life of Christ, and it reads like he's excited, like he can't wait to tell you the good news that he's wanting to get to, especially the first few chapters. He skips over the birth entirely. He skips over decades of Christ's life. He's all in a rush to get to his point, and his point in the book of Mark is this. He says, the time is fulfilled. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's really what Mark wants us to know. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not far away. It's not in the future. It's right now. Like all of the best fairy tales, Jesus and Mark dare us to believe that if we just reach out, if you just invite the wizard in for tea, if you just put on the ring or step into the wardrobe, if you just reach out, not only will you find a kingdom and people you don't expect, but you will find what will be worth more than anything you have now. Because it will be life itself and truth. And it won't just be your perspective that changes. You will change in all the ways that you desperately long to be changed. But that's Mark. I just told you all to turn to the book of John. Uh, John is decidedly not in a hurry. John was a child when he knew Jesus, and he publishes his gospel account uh, closer to the end of his life than the beginning. What I love about the book of John is that he's trying to tell us everything that he's worried we might have missed. Everything that's in danger of being forgotten about this person he loved, who had changed the world and was changing it, is still changing it. So let us be people on whom nothing is lost this morning. Read with me in John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 1 and read to verse 18. If you will, I know we've already read it, um, this passage is worth rereading. If you have the ability, please stand and we'll read it together. John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. <laughs> now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there in the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they didn't understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. She didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus says to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rodney, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, 
For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Y'all can sit. Pray with me briefly. <coughs> Father God, I pray this morning as I always do, Lord, that regardless of what I say, God, that what you administer to people's hearts is your truth in your word today. God, because we know your truth will set us free, and we desperately long to be free. We pray this in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. Frederick Beatner writes that the gospel is always tragedy before it's good news. And that is as true in our passage as it is in our lives. The good news of Easter is that Christ is risen. And because he's risen, all of the deathly things in your life, your life itself, if you can hear him calling to you, all of you can rise out of whatever tombs you find yourself in and you can live too. But before that good news, there's tragedy. If you look at it in our passage, the first seven verses are tragic. Mary goes to the tomb while it's still dark, early in the morning. She's expecting to find a grave, a body, her friend. It's tragic. When she doesn't find what she expects, she doesn't believe something wonderful has happened. She assumes the grave has been robbed, and so does Peter, it seems, at first. It's not until verse 8 that anyone in the story believes anything good and wonderful and lifeish has happened. Notice, it's the child, John, who believes first, which doesn't surprise me in the least. Children are always seeing wonder in things that adults see as dead and broken and useless. I went to throw away an egg carton this week, and my seven-year-old asked me if he could have it. And I asked him why, and he told me he thought he could make something wonderful from it, and he did. What I really want to do this morning is to see the resurrection through the eyes of these three people that we've met in our passage. John, the child who believes like a child. Peter, who's right in every way, in everything that he believes, except in the one way that matters most. And Mary, who can't see Jesus through her grief, even when he's standing right in front of her. I want us to understand that these three people, I want us to understand these three people and see Jesus through their eyes this morning. Because we are these three people. John's about the same age as I was when I first believed in Jesus, when I first believed that he was actually alive. I was a, a preteen, like he probably was, most scholars think. I was sitting on the floor of a youth room, listening to a girl not much older than I was, talking about how she knew Christ in a personal way, and somehow that's what it took in the movement of the Holy Spirit for it to click, that instead of knowing a story, instead of knowing a history, Reaching out to the kingdom of God was about knowing a person. Truth is a person. Life is bound up with Christ himself. John's moment of salvation was standing in a grave, watching two adults begin to unravel. He ran all the way there, but he refused to go in because he assumed that he would find something that would scare him, but instead what he found was so full of life that it would change the rest of his life and fill the rest of his life and if possible, all of ours. I'm not sure what you came here to find this morning, or if maybe you were a bit af afraid of coming in. I've seen people stand at the door and turn and walk away. But I hope what you do find is Christ himself. 
and life in him this morning, even if others don't see it. I hope you can believe like John, because the world without Christ in it is tragic. It's a world where no one rises, where death ends each and every person's story. A world in which Christ is risen, though, is a world in which death is overthrown, where I will live together again with the loved, loved ones that I have lost. And so will you, if you trust him. Peter, at first, doesn't see anything but tragedy. And he takes John home. Did you notice that? John believed before Peter takes him home. Otherwise, he would have been there with Mary in her grief. Peter doesn't see what John saw when he believed, and he doesn't listen. Adults rarely listen to children, in my experience, even when the children are right. And Peter refuses to stay. He doesn't want the child to see anything more than he's already seen of death. And so he's right to take him home, in a sense. He doesn't want John to have false hope, to be naive about the death of the brokenness of the world. And to a certain extent, again, I want us to see Peter's right. I want us to notice that everything Peter believes is right. Jesus really did die. And people really are cruel enough to rob graves and raid tombs. And if Jesus is dead, Peter really did waste several years of his life, chasing after some foolish dream of changing his life and changing society. It's not that he's wrong about anything. It's just that he hasn't yet dared to dream of something else which might be true. I talk to a lot of people with this kind of outlook on faith. Faith is fine and good for kids, maybe. People who, you know, need to believe in something, they have that, that need, they need a crutch. But if you're smart, if you really know the way the world is, if you're really able to stare life in the face and have it stare back at you, you just learn to accept the hard things. Try to, avoid, try to enjoy what you can of life, and I'm sorry for those of you who don't have the things I enjoy. It's all fine to dream about the world changing until the one who's dreaming, until the one who's supposed to change it ends up arrested or executed, and somehow they always do. And then it's back to the same world as it has been. It's back to the life I knew before I had any dreams. Time to wake up. It doesn't surprise me at all to find Peter back in his fishing boat in the next chapter. But I was talking with my seven-year-old this week about, about something similar to this. Don't get me wrong, I'm going to explain. Uh, but he asked me whether or not um, Santa Claus is real. And we are, since there are some kids left in the room, we're going to skip part of this sermon today. Um, but we were having that conversation. But it, it, it really caught me off guard. I was surprised to realize that, you know, I, I saw this question coming, but I didn't really have an answer. And it wasn't that I didn't have an answer for him. I didn't even have my own answer for myself. And I'll explain what I mean. Uh, I'm not I'm not delusional, you know, uh, and this is the part that I'm going to skip. Uh, I, I, uh, I know things, right? Uh, what I ended up telling AJ is we, we had a conversation about all these characters that we create. Bilbo, Harry Potter, all these things. Maybe the characters aren't real in the same way that we are, but if you dismiss them because of that, then you've dismissed something else that is vitally important. And hear me, I am certainly not equating belief in God to belief in Santa Claus. If anything, uh, God is real, more real than we are. Um, what I'm saying is that Peter was right that day at the tomb. And also, his imagination failed to capture what it is possible for our God to do. And so... For at least that one day, he missed life itself. 
He went home. He missed it. And he dragged John with him, too, so John missed it. Peter was so consumed with all the things he knew about the world that he stopped imagining that the world could be any other way. When you lose the ability to imagine a different world than the one we actually live in, it would lose the ability to imagine a different kingdom than the one we actually live in, you lose faith itself. For a second time in Peter's life, he lost sight of Christ walking on the waters because he was focused on the waves, and so do we. Jesus knew and said, there's something about believing like a child that's necessary to even entering the kingdom in the first place. Sometimes being right matters less than being able to imagine something else that's true. So there's John, and there's Peter, and let's not forget Mary. Mary, who makes me choke up every time, who found forgiveness and welcome in Jesus when she found only rejection everywhere else. Mary, whose grief is so intense that she can't sleep and shows up at the tomb in the middle of the night to find it empty. Peter leaves to take John home, and Mary's left by herself grieving in the midst of the most joyous moment in history. Y'all realize that? Christ is risen, death is defeated. At long, last, at long last, that enemy, who seemed to be invincible, staggers in the midst of the battle, falls, and Mary doesn't see it yet. In the moment, she can only see what humanity has done, and she can't yet see what God is doing in, through, and around everything that we have done. I love the way the angels and Jesus approach her. In verse 15, uh, the angels use that, that word woman is actually a term of endearment. Woman, why are you? Why are you weeping? Here in Ola, we would have said, Hey, baby, why are you crying? <laughs> hey, Mom, why are you crying? She turns to see Jesus alive, and though her, through her tears, she doesn't even recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener, which I think is both funny and somehow true. God the gardener in Eden, meeting us in a garden again, the work of atonement accomplished that was promised so long ago. And this time we're welcomed back into the garden, and he calls our names calls Mary's name, but in that call, we should hear him calling to each of us. And that's when Mary believes. She throws herself on him, and he both scolds her and allows her. And I love that. The first act of the resurrected Christ is to dry tears and hold the daughter to his chest with everything that caught, while everything that caused her grief comes untrue. It's his first act, and it's his last act in some ways. He promises to do the same for each of us on the day that he returns. This is the new Lord which follows the downfall of death and the enemy, a king who reigns over every person and nation, who with his first act in office commits his friend or, or comforts his friend and dries her tears, having been given all power in heaven and earth and under the earth. He chooses to spend his time encouraging and comforting his friends. God the gardener, causing life to well up in each of us, pruning us watering the small seeds which he plants in us. When they grow, they nourish us throughout our lives. One of the things I love most about life itself is the way it, it spills over. It has a way of breaking past any neat boundaries that we set, the stones that we arrange around our gardens and the plants care for none of it. I love that about life. You can pour water in a bathtub and walk away and it will stay. But if you put a child in that bathtub and walk away, neither the child nor the water will be in the bathtub when you return. 
I love that about life. Death could not contain Christ who is life, and his loving life spills and overflows in each of us if we allow it. Because Christ arose on Easter, he lives today. Because Jesus lives today, we have hope today. I read this quote last year. I want to read it again. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Miracles, The resurrection and its consequences were the gospel of good news, which the Christians brought. What we call the gospels, these narratives of our Lord's life and death, were composed later for those who had already accepted the gospel. The miracle of the resurrection and the theology of that miracle comes first. Biography comes later as a comment on it. The first fact in the history of Christianity is a number of people who say they have seen the resurrection. When I think about the resurrection and its consequences, as Lewis so succinctly in his way summarizes all of Christian life and history and theology, I get a sense of what some call the numinous, the, sub the sublime, which is that it's that still small sense of wonder that you get when you look out over something inexplorable, like when, uh, like when you're looking out at the water and you see a curve out of sight, or you're standing on a high mountain and you look up at the heavens and you realize that you are standing on the edge of something inexplorable. Inexplorable not because you're forbidden in any way from striking out into it as far as you can go, but inexplorable because of its breadth and its depth. You could dedicate your life to searching through it, and you would only know the smallest bit, the smallest piece. God is like that. The resurrection and its consequences. The consequences of the resurrection being eternal reverberate through all of time, forward and backwards. This is an event which affects and changes the past as much as it affects and changes the future. Like a person who is healed of cancer, and suddenly not only does she have a new and a bright future, but her past, all of that sickness, all of that struggle, becomes a story of survival and providence and joy rather than sorrow. That kind of life is open to you today. Christ, when you trust him, will change not only your future, but your past as well. Make it a story of redemption. Whether you're able to believe like a child or like Peter, you're so convinced of what you know that you've forgotten to imagine that anything else could be true. Or like Mary, you're so focused on the grief of everything humanity is doing that you forget to look for the work of God in the world. Christ is standing today, calling your name, willing to dry your tears and embrace you. The resurrection and its consequences. The life found in Christ is overflowing even to you this morning. And in the midst of your grief and mine, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So like Mary, turn around and believe that Christ will meet you where you are. He's calling your name today. Pray with me. <coughs> Father God, I pray that you would open our ears, Lord, that we could hear you, that you would dry our eyes, God, that we could see you this morning. Lord, if you were alive, give us life this today. God, I pray Lord, today that you would change hearts and minds in the ways that we most need to be changed, God. In the ways that we will move from life to death, God, resurrect us today as well. God, give us hope that those who we've lost, God, that we will see them again. Lord, in you, at your table on Zion. God, 
all through writing the sermon. Remember the first Easter here at this church, God, and preaching to a screen in lockdowns. Lord, I just praise you for all the life you've given us since. Lord, and as I have since that week, God, I just pray together with this apostle, with John. Amen. Jesus, come soon. Come and save us this morning. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. Amen. We encourage you, as Jake leads us into the song, we encourage you to respond in some way. To pray with people next to you, you can come pray with me uh, to respond in some way. Praise God from whom 
go in grace and peace to love and serve the Lord. And peace be with you, Pastor. Thanks, Alex. Hey, if y'all want to stick around, we uh, we are doing an Easter egg hunt for the kids. So if you want to hide an Easter egg or two, we need some volunteers to help me hide it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I forgot you were in town. This week, so you walked in, I was like, oh, it's Karen. 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 It's Karen.